Amen. Grace and peace of the Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. The whole of this month, we are looking at the glorious Jesus is the river of life. The glorious Jesus is the river of life. The first Sunday on the fifth, we came with a message, the glorious Jesus is the living water. The glorious Jesus is the living water. And this morning, the title of the message is the glorious Jesus is the river of life. Is the river of life. We will take a few scripture readings. We will take the first one from John's Gospel, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 4 to 15. And we will also read from John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 to 38. John's Gospel, 4, 4 to 15. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat verily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Mm -hmm. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Mm. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, mm. if you only knew the gift God has for you mm. and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Amen. But sir, mm. you don't have a rope or a bucket. Mm. She said, and this well is very deep. Mm. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, mm. who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be testy again. And I won't have to come here mm. to get water. Amen. Amen. I am an agent of change. Oh, I am an agent of change. Oh, the spirit of God. Oh, rest in me, transform me, and all around. Oh, the Spirit of God, oh, rest in me, oh, transform. God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit 
John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 to 38. The Bible said that in that great feast, that last day, Jesus Christ rose up and cried with a loud voice and said, All those who are thirsty, come to me and come and drink. For out of your belly will flow rivers of living waters. Hallelujah. Jesus said, as the scripture says, as the scripture says, out of your belly, out of your heart, out of your stomach, will flow rivers of living waters. I pray to Lord God Almighty that this morning may the rivers of living waters gush out out of your spirit, gush out out of your soul, gush out out of your body. In the name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Every thirsty ground receive the refreshness of Jehovah God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may the Holy Spirit, the Paracritos, the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, the water of God, the Holy Spirit, the oil of God, may he refresh you this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, hallelujah. The last time that we met, we looked at the background of the story that, was, that is enshrined in John chapter 7. And I also gave small background on John chapter 4. If you look at the John chapter 4 scripture that we read concerning the story at Sychar, the Samaritan woman, this story is just right after Jesus had had a discourse with a man called Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who came to Jesus Christ by night to inquire from him deep truth concerning eternal life. And the, uh, the writer of John is trying to depict the messianic power of Jesus Christ. He wants to depict that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And there is no name that is given unto us on earth, beneath the earth in heaven, that is unto salvation, than the name Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And if you look at the story at Sica, or the story of Sica in John's Gospel, chapter 4, the last time I spoke about it, that Jesus Christ, the Bible said that he was in Judea, and he had to go to Galilee. But according to God, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse number 4, the Bible says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed, he had to, he must go through Samaria. Hallelujah. He must what? Go through Samaria. The last time we said that, if you look at how these three cities were located geographically, you cannot go through Judea to Galilee or Galilee to Samaria without you going through Samaria. 
But because of a racial, religious tension that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans, any time that a Jew want to move from one Jewish city, which is Judea to Galilee, another Jewish city, the Bible said that they move along the banks of River Jordan. Even though Samaria is the shortest route that they have to go through. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ must go through Samaria. Hallelujah. If you look at the word Samaria, Samaria is a watch mountain. The meaning of Samaria is a watch mountain. In fact, it is an evil city. Samaria happens to be an evil city. Indeed, it was the place that King Ahab built a temple for the god Baal. So the temple of Baal or Baal was built in Samaria. And that was built by King Ahab. In the time of Elijah and Elisha, they also ministered in Samaria. Do you remember the story when Elisha said that tomorrow by this time, there will be abundance of food in Samaria. I pray the Lord God Almighty that even though Samaria is an evil city, God visited them with abundance. May you be visited this morning in abundance. Hallelujah. So it was an evil city. Both Elijah and Elisha ministered there. It was also the city that Philip also brought a revival there. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, the Bible said that Philip moved to the city of Samaria and he preached the good news powerfully and boldly. And the Bible said that God turned the heart of the Samaritans unto himself. I pray to Lord God Almighty that this morning may the Holy Ghost turn all the hearts that belongs to God. Hallelujah. Every hidden heart. Every heart that is weary, every lost heart, every lost soul, as I proclaim the word of God, may the Holy Spirit convict all those hearts and bring all those souls into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So the Bible said that Jesus Christ had to go through Samaria. So if you look at this one, then it tells you that Jesus Christ had a destiny appointment in Samaria. I pray the Lord God Almighty that wherever that you are this morning, may the destiny changer, his name is Jesus Christ, may he come and visit you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that he has to go through Samaria. He has to. He must. You see, the word must there, it comes from necessity as a compulsion, as a destiny. So Jesus Christ had no option than to go through. He must go through Samaria because it was connected to the destiny of people. Hallelujah. You see, before Jesus Christ was about to be ascended onto the heavens, the Bible says in mighty gospel chapter 28 verse 19, which we normally quote as the Great Commission. 
the Bible says that Jesus Christ told them that all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. All authority, all power. So all power has been given unto Jesus. So Jesus Christ is a man of all power. And therefore, he commissioned his disciples and said that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So all nations means that Samaritans were also included. All nations. Make disciples of all nations. And before the ascension of Jesus Christ at Mount Olives, as he was about to be ascended in Act of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ said that, Beloved, you need to be... You need to tarry until you are endued with power from on high. And the verse 8 says that when the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will receive power. Hallelujah. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and then in Samaria. So you see here that Jesus Christ has mentioned the word Samaria here. So the whole world was in mind concerning the salvation of people. So no wonder Dr. Luke put it in this form in Luke Gospel chapter 19 verse 10 that for this reason the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So the mission of Jesus Christ was to save all men including the Samaritans. So even though Samaria was an evil city, even though the temple of Baal was being located there, or even though there was a racial tension between the Samaritans and the Jews, the Bible said that it was a necessity that Jesus Christ has to go through Samaria. I pray the Lord God Almighty that this morning, wherever that you are, Jesus Christ will meet you at the point of your need. It was a necessity. It was a must. You see, this was not the first time the word must has been used in the Bible. Indeed, the word must is actually connected or often connected to the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission of Jesus Christ oftentimes uses the word must. Other versions will say had to or needed, needed to, had to or must. It's the same way depending on the version that you are using. All of them connotes the same meaning, idea, which means a necessity, compulsion, destiny. He has no option. He needed to, he must, he had to go through Samaria. If you read John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14. If you look at the episode of Nicodemus, when Jesus Christ had this encounter with Nicodemus, if you look at the verse 14, John 3, 14, the Bible said that uh, as the Son of Man is being lifted up, he must be lifted up to draw more souls unto himself. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. So the word must here is registered here to connect to the mission of Jesus Christ that as often as Jesus Christ is being proclaimed, all souls come to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Also, if you look at John's Gospel, chapter 9, if you look at the episode of the man who was born 
blind. When Jesus Christ was passing by, and this man was born blind, and the disciples said that, Jesus, this man who is born blind, who is the sinner? Who is the sinner? Is it the man or the parent who has sinned? Because for them, they believe that when you sin, you receive the punishment. So they are asking Jesus Christ, this man's trouble, this man's tragedy, this man's affliction, this man's illness, this man's sickness, is as a result of a sin that somebody has committed, whether the father, the mother, or he himself. And Jesus Christ said that nobody had sinned, but for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. So if you look at the verse 4, Jesus Christ said at John 9, 4, that as it is day, I must do the work of the one who sent me. I must. So one of the work of Jesus Christ was to heal the eyes of the man. In other words, was to open or to restore sight to the man. That was why in Luke Gospel chapter 4, when Jesus Christ was announcing his me, he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news. He has anointed me to heal the broken-hearted, to open those who are in prison, and the recovery of what? Sight. So you find out that uh, the man's mission or the man's uh, uh, restoration was connected to the mission of Jesus. So Jesus Christ said that, uh, since it is day, I must, I must do the work of the one who sent me. Hallelujah. Not only that, but if you look at John's Gospel, chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 16. If you look, the word of John's Gospel, chapter 10, was talking about Jesus Christ being the shepherd and we being the sheep. And then in the verse 10, say that the teams cometh not, but to come and steal, to destroy, and to kill. But I have come so that you have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus said that my sheep knows my voice. They will hear my voice. They will not hear the voice of a stranger. And then Jesus Christ said that as I hear or listen to the voice of the Father, so my sheep will also listen and hear my voice. And then the verse 16, John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus said that there are other sheep which are not part of this flock that I must. So the word there again, I must bring them also so that they will become part of this flock. Hallelujah. So you find out that the word must, anytime that is being used, it is connected to the mission of Jesus Christ. And the mission of Jesus Christ is to save souls. Is to save souls. That is all. The mission of Jesus Christ is that you will be with him in heaven. The mission of Jesus Christ is that at the end of the day, he will be able to shake you when you are standing before him at the uh, seat, uh, at the beamer seat. And then he will say that good and faithful 
servant. Hallelujah. Not only that, but if you also look at John's Gospel, chapter 20. John's Gospel, chapter 20. Typically, verse 9. But this one was when Jesus Christ has been resurrected. And then Mary went into the tomb. And when Mary went into the tomb to go and embalm Jesus Christ, when she went there, she realized that the man Jesus Christ, he is not there. Jesus is not there. Jesus is not there. And then he saw the linen that was used to wrap Jesus Christ lying apart on the floor. And then he was looking at all those kind of things. You know the story. And then he ran. She ran to go and tell the disciples, hey, they have come to steal uh, uh, our Messiah, our king, the Jesus Christ that we are worshiping. And the Bible said that when John came, John just looked at it. And then the Bible said that he believed, but he did not see anything. Then it was then that, like the angel was told Mary in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 9, that didn't you know that Christ must rise up again from the dead? So John's Gospel, chapter 20, Christ must rise up. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is very crucial to the salvation of mankind. That was why Apostle Paul said that if Jesus Christ had not resurrected, we will be the most miserable people. So because he resurrected, that is why we believe in resurrection. So one day in John's Gospel, chapter 11, when he was telling Martha and Mary that I am the life and the resurrection, John 11, 25, he, he who believes in me, when he even dies, he will rise up again. Because the man has power to lay down his life and has power to take it. I pray the Lord God Almighty, anything that is dead in your life this morning, may the resurrection power of Jesus Christ bring all of them back to life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, you see that if the Bible is saying that Jesus Christ had to go through or needed or must go through Samaria, then it was very important. It was for a reason. So when you are reading the Bible, the words there are also very important. The last time I explained the background also to you, that the Samaritans were the mixed Jews and then Gentiles. And these Samaritans, uh, their city called Samaria was captured around 722 BC by the Assyrians. And when, and when it was being captured, uh, Around 586 BC, Judah was also being captured. We understood that it was a northern kingdom, and Judah was part of the southern kingdom. Now, this woman at Sychar had a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus explained things concerning worship. Because these Samaritans, they were having, or they had their temple built at Bethel, whilst the Israelites or the Jews had their temple being built in, in Jerusalem. And I want to give you also small background also here for you to understand why they built their temple in Bethel or in Mount Gerizim. And then the Jewish 
or the Jews also build their temple in Jerusalem. Last time, I told you that Jerusalem actually was the Jebusite city, which was being captured by David, and it became David's city. And there was a mountain there called Mount Zion, and that was where the temple was being located. So instead of them to say that they are going to the temple to worship God, they always say that they are going to Zion. So when a Jew says that he's going to Zion, it means that he's going to church. He's going to the temple to go and what? And worship. Now, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, I'm talking about Israel in general, made up of the the, uh, southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. God had already commanded or instructed their father that they need to choose a particular place to build the temple to worship their God. So as for the Jews or the Israelites, they don't worship anywhere. They they don't worship anywhere. They worship God in a particular place. And if you look at the verse 6, Deuteronomy 12, 5 and 6, the verse 6, God told them that you must bring all your burnt offerings and even your tithe to that place that I, the Lord, I have selected for you to worship your God. That is why we don't pay our offerings anywhere, but we pay our offering in where the Lord God Almighty has placed us. Look at it. They can put it on the screen for us. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5 to 6. You will see it very clear there. Hallelujah. Now, what happened is that when God called Abraham from his father's house, when God called Abraham from his father's house, the Bible said that when he gave him all the blessings, that Abraham, I want you to move from your father's house and go to the place that I, the Lord, I will show you. And God gave all those blessings. Genesis 1, uh, 12, verse 1 to Pray that I will bless you and make your name great and make you a great nation. I will bless all your descendants and I will give this land to you. If you look at the verse 6, Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, the Bible says, when Abraham finally came to the land, that's a land called Shechem. Shechem, the last time to, I explained to you that we don't have Sychar in the Bible. This is the only place that we have Sychar and I will explain to you. Uh, but that place is actually called Shechem, Shechem, Shechem. And I will explain why uh, uh, John, the writer, used the word Sychar also to you. So the Bible said that when God finally brought Abraham to Shechem, Abraham built an altar there. He built an altar, Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 to 7. Abraham built an altar Shechem, and he worshipped God. Amen. So, if you look at the Samaritans, the Samaritans, they normally believe in the Pentateuch, or the Torah. When we talk about the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch, they are the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the five books of Moses. Others call it the Torah. Or the Pentateuch. So they believe in the, in the Pentateuch. Whilst the Israelites, they believe, or the Jews, they believe in the full canon Bible of the 
Hebrews. It means that they believe in both the Pentateuch and also the books of the prophets. So they believe both everything about Moses and also all the other prophets. In other words, that they believe the complete Old Testament. But for these particular people, the Samaritans, they only believe in the Pentateuch. So they believe in the Patriarch very, very well. So they don't joke with Abraham, Jacob, and then Isaac. So no wonder the woman said, that, are you greater than our father Abraham who gave us this world? They believe in the Patriarch very, very well. So for them, because their father Abraham had already built an altar at Shechem to worship God. And if you look at Shechem, Shechem is overshadowed by mountain garrison. Mountain garrison. In other words, if Shechem is a flat place like this, then on the side of it is mountain garrison. And also, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, if the Bible is yours, open with me. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 29. Before the Israelites were about to enter the promised land, the Bible said that they went to mountain Garizim, where they proclaimed their blessings before they entered the promised land. So their blessings were being proclaimed on mountain Garizim before they entered the promised land. So if you look at all this story about Abraham building an altar at Shechem, and Shechem is overshadowed by mountain Garizim, and before their forefathers entered the promised land, they stood at that mountain, and then they proclaimed the blessings. Then these Samaritans chose mountain Garizim to build their temple. So their temple was built on mountain Garizim. So that was where they go to worship God. But the Israelite, the Jewish people also know that when it comes to worship, then the worship is about the glory of God. And the glory of God is about God's presence. And the presence of God is only seen or uh, you can find the presence of God where or where you have the Ark of the Covenant. So if you are having the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem, and it's in the temple, and then there is another temple in Garizim, how can you say that God is in Garizim? God cannot be there, because the Ark of the Covenant is not there. So you cannot have the presence of God. So there was this great animosity, religious tension, between the Samaritans and the Jews, concerned the temple that no if you want to worship the lord god you must come to jerusalem you don't need to go to samaria and then go to mountain garrison and then go and then worship the lord hallelujah and this one became like a very big problem that was why the woman told jesus christ that our forefathers our forefathers told us they told us that it is on this mountain if you read John chapter 4 verse 20. It is on this mountain that we have to worship God. But you are telling us that we need to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ told you, oh, you have missed the point. A time is coming and now is the time that Jesus Christ, God, is looking for 
true worshippers, people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is the people that he's looking for. So you don't need to go to Mount Garrison. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. But God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and then in truth. So if the Bible is saying that Jesus Christ had to go through Samaria, last night I explained a lot of things to you. Then it was actually a necessity. It was actually a necessity. Hallelujah. And also, the Bible said that so Jesus Christ was then that like he came to this Samaritan city called Sychar. Sychar. And then there was a well there. They call it the well of Jacob. The last time to I explain it to you, Sychar. If you look at the meaning of Sychar, the meaning of Sychar. So the whole story, if you look at it, it is actually a destiny appointed story. That's why the Bible says Jesus Christ must, because Jesus Christ needs to go there to change so many things. Because if you look at the word Sychar, the word Sychar, that's why I'm saying that it's only that place that you can see the word Sychar. But if you check the meaning of Sychar, Sychar means that a place of drunkards, a place of drunkards, or a place of liars. So maybe the writer of this book, John, was trying to explain to us the grievousness of the sins that is being committed by the people there. The people there are liars. The people there are drunkards. They are very filthy people. They are very filthy people. So no wonder, if you look at the story very well, no wonder Jesus Christ, when he met this woman, and after Jesus Christ entered into a discourse with the woman, he said that, go and bring me your husband. And then the woman said, that, oh, I don't have any husband. There are also a lot of things that we can learn here. It means that Jesus Christ do not sanction any unlawful conjugal marriage. You see, Jesus Christ used the word husband. The only type of marriage that Jesus Christ sanctions is the marriage which is being recognized publicly, officially, formally, divinely, and socially sanctioned. That is the marriage that Jesus Christ recognized. That is the marriage that we have it in the Bible. So he said that the, even the man that you are living with, right now, he's not your husband, but already you have lived with five husbands. So you could see that this particular woman, the man has been lying to her. They, they were telling her, oh, uh, we will marry you, or I will marry you. And then they will deceive her. And another person will come and then come and use her. And then they will deceive her. For, so more than five. More than five. So you could see that the men were liars. So no wonder the name Saika. No wonder the name Saika. And you could see that um, the men, most men who are liars are men who are also drunk as well. But you see that in all these things and all this trauma, emotional pain, depression, worry that this woman was going through, and even the city was going through, Jesus Christ needed to go through there 
to change the destiny of this woman and the destiny of the city. I pray the Lord God Almighty that this morning, the Lord God Almighty meet you and then change every situation that you find yourself in. This woman, perhaps she has gone through a lot. That was why she didn't have to come and even draw water even at the noonday, which was unusual at that time. But Jesus knew her. I want to assure you that Jesus knows you. And he has an appointment with you. He will change your destiny. There is this song that we sing. It's a few song. I like it so much. He said that Anna Ahau Anna Bire Nawukom Ribu Te Naobi De Ra Naobe Mawa Omje O Te Naobi De Ra no be ma wa um he's saying that are you weary are you tired are you heavy laden listen somebody is calling you that come to him and he will give you rest that man is jesus christ i believe that this woman was calling for jesus in her heart and one day in her darkest moment when she was not even expecting it jesus christ came and then met her at that place the place of psyche the place of drunkards the place of liars jesus christ came there. may jesus christ come to visit you this morning it was then that the conversation started it was then that the conversation started and jesus christ said that woman please give me water to drink Say that, ha, huh? why should I give you water? Don't you know that I am a Samaritan and you are a Jew? There is no dealings between you, the Samaritans, and you, the Jews. And Jesus Christ said that if you knew, if you knew the one who is talking to you, if you knew the one who is talking to you and the gift of God, you would have asked him and he will have given you living water. And the woman said, hey, what are you trying to talk about? Even this well is very deep. Do you want to tell us that you are greater than our father Jacob who even gave us this well and he himself and the flock also drank from it. And then Jesus Christ said that this water, when you drink it, you will test again. You will test again. But the water that I will give you when you drink it, you will never thirst. And the woman said, hey, then give me this water so that I will not come here. So you could see that the woman was really very worried. She was really very dry. She was really in a state of despondency. So she needed somebody to refresh her. I pray the Lord God Almighty that this morning, Jesus Christ will refresh you. Hallelujah. Because of our time, we will put it here next time. We'll look at the lesson. It's a very big topic. That, but I want you to really get full understanding of it so that when we are doing the lessons, you really understand it very well. We'll look at living waters.
the definition and all those kind of things and you understand it. But as I'm bringing the message to an end, I want to draw some parallel between the, the story here and the story of Nicodemus. You see that if you look at this woman and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, they have something in common. The only difference, let me talk about the difference. The only difference is that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader. So a very prominent, respected person. And Jesus Christ visited this man. Or Jesus Christ had an encounter with this prominent man. But this woman, she was a social outcast. She was being mourned. And Jesus Christ also had an appointment with her. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter who you are. The Lord Jesus Christ will still or can still meet you. Hallelujah. That is the difference between them. But if you look at the parallel, uh, the story of this woman and that of Nicodemus, you could see that both of them, Jesus Christ spoke about a simple issue in two levels. And they understood it and took it at the lower level. In the case of Nicodemus, Jesus Christ told him, unless a man is born again, and Nicodemus took the word born again as physical birth. That do you mean that I have to enter into my mother's womb to be born again, physical birth? Nicodemus didn't understand. In the case of this woman, Jesus Christ told him that if you know the one who is asking you water, you ask him so that he will give you living water. And this woman said, that, then give me this water. So the spiritual water that Jesus Christ was talking about, this woman took it at, as a physical water. So they took it at a very low level. They didn't understand. And Jesus Christ then amplified it. And they still misunderstood Jesus Christ. In the case of Nicodemus, Jesus Christ told, that is John chapter 3, verse 3 to 6. Jesus Christ told woman, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is born of flesh is the flesh, and what is born of the spirit is the spirit. And Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 9 said that, how can this be possible? How can this be possible? He did not understand. How can this be possible? So he misunderstood Jesus Christ. In the case of this woman, in the, in the case of this uh, woman, look at what happened. When Jesus Christ said that, if you know the one who is talking to you, he said that, then give me this water. So he was talking about the, the physical water. So the woman didn't actually understand what Jesus Christ was trying to communicate to her. So Jesus Christ then needed to rebuke them and then bring a deeper truth unto them. I pray that you have this truth. In the case of Nicodemus, Jesus Christ rebuked and said, are you not the leader of the Israelites? Are you not a Pharisee? And then you don't understand this. It was then that Jesus Christ said that if you lift up the Son of Man, or he will draw more souls unto himself. For 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So based on that discourse between Nicodemus and Jesus Christ, it led to that monologue or that deep truth that about the cross and the salvation of mankind. And then Nicodemus realized that, hey, this man is the Messiah. In the case of the woman too, Jesus Christ told uh, her, go and bring your husband in the verse 16, John 4, 16. And the woman said that, I don't have any hope. It was then that, that Jesus Christ reoriented the woman's mind and told the woman that, you know something, it is not here that you need to worship the Lord God Almighty or not in Jerusalem. But the time is coming. Now is the time that the true worshippers must worship the Father in truth and in spirit. So through that, Jesus Christ was able to redefine worship and also explain to the woman that there is something more than the ordinary water that gives eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ himself. When he comes and stays in you, he will be rivers of water. It will flow out, and whatever that, that it is dry, when you go there, that place is going to be fresh. Indeed, when this woman received that eternal life, that word of truth and power, the Bible said that this woman was able to turn the whole of the city of Samaria. They came to her, and they said, that, Woman, it is not because of what you have said, oh, but when we came, what we have heard and what we have seen, we also believe. I pray that today, the Lord God Almighty will give you a testimony so that based on this testimony, a lot of people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. So next time when we come to you, we'll come to you with the lessons. Now that you have a very sound background, we'll be able to look at the lessons about the living waters and we'll see how it is being applied to us.